I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to The Broad Experience, the show about women, the workplace, and success. I'm Ashley Montite. This time... We all love a bit of inspiration in the form of successful women. After all, you can't be what you can't see, right? But maybe all that lionising reveals an unpleasant truth. That women need to be just utterly brilliant, utterly wonderful to get recognition. Actually, real equality boils down to not having to do that. Coming up on The Broad Experience. Before we get into the show, a quick word about a former guest. She's been on the show twice in the last 18 months or so. I know a lot of you lead a team. And when you're a manager, your work is about more than just the work. It's about managing human relationships and enabling your team to get things done and thrive. It is not always easy. People management is a skill you develop over time when you make the commitment to learn. You can find Anne Libby's free monthly newsletter on management at people.substack.com. Each month, you'll learn about how good managers do their work and ways you can practice and learn. Anne is a noted management expert, and she also interviews experts and practitioners, and she writes and curates recommended reading for you about people management and workplace trends. The internet is full of advice. Some of it is BS. On Management is practical, topical, and smart. It's like getting a monthly email from an experienced mentor or your cool aunt. You can find it at people.substack.com. The last episode I did on caring for a parent was pretty serious, and this week's show is quite the change of tone. To give you a bit of context, for several years now, I've received a lot of emails at my broad experience address, often written by a PR person, asking me to interview some amazing sounding woman. She's often a coach, sometimes a startup CEO or a corporate executive. And words like empowering, inspiring and killing it are sprinkled throughout the email. But instead of feeling inspired, I just feel tired. So when I read a column by Polita Clark in the Financial Times last month, it hit home. The title, Women Must Demand the Right to Be as Useless as Men. I knew I wanted to talk to her about the ideas in that piece, and she and I spoke the other week. Polita is Australian by birth, but she's lived in London for 17 years. These days, she writes about modern corporate life. She's also covered aviation and the environment for the FT. And in the run-up to International Women's Day in March, her inbox is flooded with emails singing the praises of high-achieving females. Polita has been urged to write about a woman who, among other achievements, has climbed Everest, 
a visionary doctor, entrepreneur, who, who looks amazing, this extraordinary businesswoman who turns out to be a quadrilingual vegan who floated a business in her 20s and she works in refugee camps with the UN in her spare time and is completely unstoppable, was reading share prices to her father at the age of four and <laughs> is a really extraordinary woman. There's, there is absolutely nothing wrong with this um, at one level and I'm always pleased to see women doing brilliantly. There's also no question, obviously, that there is a long, long way to go, um, that we have not achieved equality by most measures. But I guess what I find each year is something else that is kind of an increasingly annoying. And it's it's kind of that tiring sense that women need to be just utterly brilliant, utterly wonderful to get recognition. And I think that that is something that I do, I have thought for a long time, that actually real equality boils down to not having to do that, to just being ordinary and just doing your job. And in fact, you could even be potentially quite mediocre. And just bumbling along and not worrying about your career too much. She says she began thinking about this topic intently when she came across a blog post by a senior woman in the UK. She's a really experienced female director, ex-McKinsey partner, Harvard MBA, works on, served on a lot of boards. And she literally, uh, in, a, in a blog, which was based on a speech she did about the dearth of female chairs at big companies, she literally said, you know, at interview, we need to be twice as good as the men to overcome the gaps in our CVs and the perceived risk in being different. And I don't think we quite realise that. And I thought, oh, you know, okay, that's reasonable. That's quite, I'm sure that's a, a reasonable thing to say. I'm sure it's a sensible thing to be thinking about. But you know what? It's really, really irritating in 2019 that we have to keep thinking about this. It got her thinking about those notes she gets encouraging her to write about various Wonder Women, similar to the ones I get. One of the things that I have found that your, your article crystallized for me and made me realize that I, I it was so hard for me to put my finger on it is this thing of why am I a bit why do I cringe a bit when I get these emails I can't I, then I feel mean I feel like a bad person that I'm that I'm cringing slightly at all this wondrous achievement I know I completely sympathize with you on that one I feel very much the same way but I think part of the reason for me anyway is that I just find it annoying to think that I have to be ultra brilliant and incredibly wonderful and supremely generous and fair and terrific and spectacular. I just really, it makes me feel like having a drink and a bit of a lie down. I mean, I mean it's just wearying. It's tiring to think that implicitly, I think, the suggestion lies there that in order to be taken seriously and to to really achieve you have to be just an extraordinary woman. I agree. I think the reason my eyes glaze over is partly because the emails all sound the same now but it's also because I'm never going to be like that myself and I wonder how many other women can manage it. I resist the implication that achievement means firing on all cylinders and sleeping four hours a night. I began the broad experience exactly seven years ago. And back then, I rarely got pitches talking up professional women. So in a way, it's a sign of progress just being made aware that so many stellar women are out there with publicists, starting businesses, writing books, overcoming obstacles, helping people. 
It was after one very famous book was published back in 2013 that I began getting all these emails. The book, of course, was Sheryl Sandberg's Lean In. Before it came out, I felt like I was here in my little corner talking about all these experiences women had at work, but no one was really listening. Then Sandberg came along and suddenly everyone was listening and talking and the amount of coverage on women at work exploded to the extent that for me, at least, it all began to run together. I think you're absolutely right that uh, Lean In, Sheryl Sandberg's book, really did have a huge impact. It really did stir a lot of debate. But again, you know, it also really divided a lot of people. And I'm afraid I'm one of the people who think that, frankly, you know, I just why don't men lean out? You know, why do I always have to be the one? Why is it always women who have to do the changing? Why can't we just just do what we feel like doing and not have to be constantly thinking about our behaviour, the impression we're giving? Generally, just if you think about what life must be like when you don't have to think like this all the time, which is quite obviously impossible, really, for women to think about, it's, it's a very different way of viewing the world. And I think that that's probably part of the reason that this book that Thomas Chamorro and Premusic has written on um, why so many incompetent men become leaders. I think that it's interesting to think about, I don't really want to say it's taken a man to, to write this, but it's a, I, I'm not sure that if a woman had written that book, it would have had quite the same attention. And it would have attracted a whole bunch of haters. Why Do So Many Incompetent Men Become Leaders is, of course, a provocative title. The author originally wrote a piece along the same lines in the Harvard Business Review in 2013. In fact, it was partly in response to Lean In being published. In that article, he said he was surprised to see Lean In encouraging women to adopt what he called dysfunctional leadership traits. He does put his finger on a really important point that applies to women and men, really, and that is that we have this annoying tendency to confuse confidence with leadership capacity. And his point is that very confident people who are often narcissistic walk into a room, own the room, basically have a huge amount of swagger and sway. They are statistically, he says, more likely to be men, but they find it a lot easier to to get into top jobs. And that means that they squeeze out equally or perhaps more able, considerate, uh, humble people. Um, and that includes men as well as women. So his point is that we need to think again about our ideas of what good leadership entails. And I think that's absolutely right. And it would undoubtedly help a lot of women, but it would also help a lot of extremely pleasant and able men that I can think of um, who are overlooked for jobs on a fairly regular basis. And really, they're the jobs that are often taken by, I wouldn't say entirely, arrogant, loudmouth men, but I wouldn't say that I've not seen that either. I mean, I think it's a fairly, it can be a fairly common occurrence in some offices. In fact, author Tomas Chamorro Pramuzic says we might want to see swagger as something to avoid. We need to just try to not be swayed, not to automatically think that just because somebody is very loud and very confident and seems to be completely on top of things, these actually sometimes can be warning signs that we that this person is not necessarily going to be a great leader. 
And Polita says he goes further. He says we should be giving preferential treatment to women. We should actually be actively discriminating in favour of female leaders. Then again... I can't help feeling a little, a little uneasy about that, actually. I don't, I, there's something that I find a, a bit annoying about that because, again, it's kind of suggesting that there is an intrinsic quality that is based on gender, which is you know, pretty much not what feminism is about, essentially. So, you know, I think no matter what one's gender, if one can lead well then one should be rewarded for that. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One much maligned leader who happens to be female is British Prime Minister Theresa May, or at least she was still Prime Minister when I recorded this. Polita says until there are more women in top roles, the urge to celebrate superwomen will persist. In many ways, it's just a numbers game. I think the more women go into places where they're not necessarily feeling uh, or not necessarily in the minority, then I think essentially things will change quite dramatically and it would, you won't be people won't feel women won't feel as though they're standing out they won't be feeling as if they have to be anything very special they'll just be there and people won't notice and, we, and in a way you kind of see that happening already here in the UK with a female prime minister quite a number of prominent female cabinet ministers and really it's quite interesting uh, at a time when People are paying more attention than ever to politics because of the Brexit debate. Um, I'm not saying there's no sexism whatsoever being attached to the portrayal of various women uh, in the spotlight here at the moment, but really it does feel as though there's so many now that really people's gender is not really coming into it in this debate in a way that it might have 10, 15, 20 years ago. That's interesting. And actually, that makes me want to ask, because I am removed from it over here. um, Has there been any sort of commentary on Theresa May's sex as, you know, going along with all the Brexit coverage? Are people trying to interpret any of her actions through the lens of gender? I'm sure there have been isolated instances of it, but I really struggle to recall a a really prominent one. I mean, one thing that's happened is that... um, Late last year and early this year, uh, when things were getting quite intense, it, there was a huge amount of commentary where people were describing her as resilient. You know, she was very resilient. She was just ploughing on. She was really stubborn. She was not. Re- she was refusing to be knocked over despite all the adversity she was facing. She was, just, and this word resilience kept being used again and again. And at first, I was thinking, you know, okay, so the the unsaid words here are, you know, really resilient for a, a, a woman. You know, she's doing really well for a woman. But actually 
colleagues who uh, were covering John Major when he was uh, struggling with uh, Eurosceptics in his party said that actually that the same sort of term, the same sort of descriptions were being used again about him. So I, I don't know. I mean, my sense is actually that really there's, there's been quite a, a lack of focus on whatever she's wearing and whatever she looks like and maybe it's because the issue itself Brexit is so enormous and so important and so all-encompassing that there's no time or appetite for petty coverage around gender although I wonder if some of my British listeners disagree and finally to the last part of Pelita's column asking why women can't be allowed to be as useless as men to sort of round out your piece, you talked about, you said you've always harboured an urge to see an international crap women's day. Why? All right. So this is basically a joke, but semi-serious joke. So I just used to wonder, you know, what would it be like if you had an international crap women's day where you were literally celebrating the right of women to be as rubbish as any man? Um you know, really, I was at, uh, at one end, you, you know, there's a lot of lot to choose from. And uh, you could have a lot of fun with it. There was a fantastic um, story here last year about a model from the UK who went off to Morocco and got so drunk on the way back that when she landed at Gatwick, she thought she was still in Morocco. And, and Elizabeth Holmes is um, obviously just, a, she would be a complete pin-up. Elizabeth Holmes, in case you haven't heard of her, was a star of Silicon Valley. She quit Stanford University at 19 to start her blood testing company, Theranos. Over the next decade or so, it raised hundreds of millions of dollars in funding. She was touted as the next Steve Jobs. Today, she stands accused of massive fraud. I just finished listening to the podcast, The Dropout, which is all about her rise and fall. She uh, is now facing a series of fraud charges and the idea that she's the new female Steve Jobs has uh, taken a bit of a tumble, unfortunately. Uh, there's, I mean, there's, there's any number of women that we could lionise in this way and um, I think basically the idea would be to say, you know, look, see, you know, we're not, we're not perfect, we're not great, we can be just as bad and evil and hopeless and useless and ridiculous as men, but, you know, so what? That's... Um, that is basically the point would be that we do need the freedom to be just people, really. On the other hand, many women want and need inspiration. They don't necessarily want to see a former icon disparaged. I read a snarky piece about Holmes in Refinery29 earlier this year. And it was very interesting to read the comments. Um, and one a couple of women had a good point because the, the the writer had focused specifically on at one point on her hair color and the fact that she dyes her hair and the fact that you underneath that sleek blonde was really a, a mousy haired brunette. And it did actually come across as very sexist. And a couple of women commenters sort of took her to took the writer to task on that. But but um, at least one other said you know why are you why are you focusing on this one bad apple there are all these amazing women in silicon valley you know why can't you talk about them kind of thing <laughs> which takes you and i back to where we started yeah well okay i mean i mean the difficulty with all of this is that as we know 
when women go to get money from venture capital firms, they really struggle. You know, there's that great case of those women who changed uh, the, their name on letters and in emails to male or ambiguous names and suddenly started getting all of these meetings with VC companies in Silicon Valley. I mean, I mean it, on the one hand, you can see why um, there is an urge to celebrate and publicise and promote these brilliant women because we, there's an urge to say, look, stop thinking that we are useless. But the trouble is that I guess that in itself does then feed into this idea that we're going to have to be twice or three or four times as good constantly. The bar, she says, is just too high. Growing up in Australia in particular, when there were very few female leaders in politics business anywhere, when one of them stumbled or or did something shocking or got into trouble you felt as though it was a black mark. It was a problem for you, and even though it had nothing to do with you, and it was why shouldn't she stumble and fall over and do whatever? But you know, it was you know I come back to it being about numbers and about the fact that you know there were very few women in these positions, and I just feel that the more that we become very used to having female prime ministers, as we are here in the UK now, the less we're going to be thinking much about the fact that they're female. I mean, you know, it's, that's, that's really the point that, I would, that I'm trying to make here. Anyway, if anybody does feel like setting up International Crap Women's Day, I am, of course, always just a phone call away. Polita Clark. I will post a few show notes under this episode at thebroadexperience.com, including Polita's original column. And as ever, I would love to hear from you. I'm sure she and I are not the only ones with opinions on this topic. Post a comment on the website, tweet me or email me or post to the Facebook page. You can help support this show with a donation of any amount at the support tab at thebroadexperience.com. And if you can't give, just write a review on iTunes instead. Every little act of support helps. I'm Ashley Miltite. Thanks for listening. See you next time.